0: I have been directed by the House of Representatives to inform the Senate. The House has passed Res. 798, a resolution appointing and authorizing managers for the impeachment trial of Donald John Trump.
1: He has been held accountable. He has been impeached. He's been impeached forever. They can never erase that. There's a conventional wisdom in Washington that goes like this. Nancy Pelosi delayed the start of Donald Trump's impeachment trial for several weeks to force Senate Republicans not to rig it. And since Mitch McConnell didn't agree to hear from witnesses or to subpoena documents, that means she lost. But the conventional wisdom is wrong. She won. To see why, imagine Pelosi had referred the articles of impeachment right after the House passed them. McConnell could have buried the trial in the Christmas holiday or convened it right after the New Year. Senate Republicans could have dismissed the charges or acquitted Trump based on the bad-faith argument that the House didn't hear from firsthand witnesses, all of whom, of course, Trump ordered not to testify. Instead, Pelosi created uncertainty. There would be no trial until we know whether Republicans plan to engage in a cover-up or not. And that left every Republican senator hounded by a simple question. Would they allow witnesses or would they block them? McConnell didn't quote-unquote cave but it sure seems like his members did.
0: Maine Senator Susan Collins told reporters on Friday that she's working with a small group of fellow Republicans on ensuring witnesses in the trial. I can't imagine that only the witnesses that are Democratic colleagues would want to call, would be called.
1: Senator McSally, should the Senate consider new evidence as part of the impeachment trial? Man, if you're a liberal hack. I'm not talking to you. You're not going to comment, you're Senator? A liberal hack. That delay also created an information vacuum where all the unknown, concealed information about the Ukraine scheme could flow, and it has flooded in. What do you think is the main inaccuracy or the main lie that's being told that you feel like you can correct?
0: That the president didn't know what was going on. Uh, President Trump knew exactly what was going on.
1: You believe that Vice President Pence knew what he was... knew that his trip to the inauguration was contingent on those investigations being announced?
0: Again, I mean, uh, I know he went to Poland also to discuss this on Trump's behalf, so he, he couldn't have not known.
1: That was Lev Parnas one of Trump's Ukraine-scheme point men, in an interview with Rachel Maddow. Parnas faces a lengthy prison sentence for committing a number of crimes thinking he had Trump's protection. But he didn't, and so he's decided to tell all. What he's revealed is stunning, and at the last minute, much of it has been folded into the official record that the House's impeachment managers, a.k.a. the prosecutors, will lay out to the Senate. This includes a letter from Rudy Giuliani to Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky establishing Trump's guilt. It also includes the alarming suggestion that they all put the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, Marie Ivanovich, under surveillance and at physical risk. So the trial that we'll actually see when it begins next week will be very different than the one we would have seen had Pelosi decided not to play hardball. And through these revelations, we can see why Trump and McConnell are so desperate to cover everything up. But as much as we've learned, Trump and his accomplices are clearly still hiding a great deal. And they may still have the tools they need to keep us, the public, from ever learning the full ugly truth about the shakedown of Ukraine. My guest this week is Kate Brannon. She's editorial director at Just Security and actually broke one of the biggest stories about the Ukraine scheme over the holidays while the articles of impeachment were sitting on Nancy Pelosi's desk. We'll discuss these extraordinary developments and what Trump and McConnell in their desperation might do to prevent more of them from coming to light. I'm Brian Boitler. And this is Rubicon. Kate Brandon, welcome to Rubicon.
0: Thanks so much for having me.
1: So you broke some pretty important news about the Ukraine scandal after the House had impeached Donald Trump, but before it referred the articles to the Senate, um, including some documentary evidence that Trump ordered the government to withhold military aid to Ukraine directly. Uh, Can you tell us just a little bit about what you learned and where it fits into the broader Ukraine story?
0: Sure. So in December, the Center for Public Integrity had sued the Trump administration for emails between the Defense Department and the Office of Management and Budget, which is called OMB in Washington, and relating to the Ukraine story. And the Trump administration was ordered by a judge to release these emails, which they did in two batches, but they did with really heavy redactions. So most of the, you know, most of the most interesting stuff had been blacked out. And so over the holidays, a source provided me a set of the emails, but with the redactions lifted. And so I got to read the full story, you know, the full back and forth between the Pentagon and OMB. And what it revealed was, on the one hand, it revealed that the Pentagon had made its objections to the hold really clear and its concerns, its legal concerns about the hold, um, loud and clear throughout the summer and then into the fall, and the main worry was that the Trump's hold on the military aid violated the Impoundment Control Act, which mandates that the executive branch spend money exactly the way Congress appropriated it. And if they want to change their mind or do something different, you know they don't have much wiggle room. But if they are going to, they have to notify Congress. And obviously, in this case with the Ukraine aid, um, that never happened, and so as I was reading the emails, I could see that these um, concerns from the Pentagon were sort of much stronger than had been represented by the administration up until that point. And then what also was clear from reading the emails was what had been redacted was truly the most incriminating and embarrassing aspects of these emails. So it also sort of told the story of obstruction. And, you know, it's just another step that this White House has taken to keep this story from coming to light
1: right it, it we, we i should note that as we record this to, today on thursday uh the the GAO has uh determined that the administration broke the law the exact law you mentioned the impoundment control act by withholding aid to ukraine so the concerns that they tried to cover up that they were discussing amongst themselves were were live and 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 they were real and and now it, it comes out that the the people saying that you were going to you're breaking the law by doing this. We're correct. Exactly. Um, so
0: that's what the the um, the person in question at the Pentagon. Her name is Elaine McCusker, and she's the acting uh, Pentagon comptroller. And she said repeatedly, "Look, guys, this is no joke. We're going to violate the Impoundment Control Act." And then in the early September, she was basically like, um, "We are violating the Impoundment Control Act. We are not going to be able to spend this money by September 30th." And it will be impounded, which means it will be it will be returned to the U.S. Treasury. And now Republicans have said in defense of Trump, look, all the money was released. It's fine. No harm done. And what actually happened was by the time the money was released on September 11th, the Pentagon made it known to Congress, we are not going to be able to spend all of this money, be able to get it on contract, buy the weapons that Ukraine needs by the end of the fiscal year. And so Congress actually stepped in. And wrote legislation that extended the money. Um, it was thirty-five million dollars that was basically put in jeopardy by Trump's hold.
1: I. I it's interesting the way you, you uh, characterize the the, you know what you discovered in this reporting is, you know when when your story broke, what sort of captivated, uh, Democratic leaders in Congress and 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 the media, uh, I think was the you know. The disclosure of Trump's direct involvement, um, which tends to um, you know sort of corroborate the the accusations against him uh, in in the first article of impeachment, but the implicit story is about the you know the justification or lack thereof for the redactions that you got to see under, and th- you know that that implication kind of also bolsters the second article of impeachment um, for, uh, for obstruction, you know, where these documents were not turned over to Congress. They, and when they were, uh, you know, when a judge said that they needed to be released, they tried to still conceal the damaging information from becoming public, um, both so that the public wouldn't know and presumably so that, that Congress wouldn't know. So in a sense, it, it's a, like a microcosm of the, of the, of the impeachment itself. Does Is that how you see it?
0: Yeah, I think, too. You know, I knew it was a big story, but I wasn't quite ready for its impact. And I think it's because I had missed or I hadn't I had overlooked this aspect of it, that the redactions themselves showed a cover up. And I was able to sort of lift the veil on that and in a way, you know, give power to the public, like, this is the stuff that they're not showing you. Um, And that gave it a lot of legs, you know, in addition to what was actually in the emails. And like you said, there was that line in it, clear direction from POTUS to hold, which came at the end of August, which by that point, the Pentagon had made loud and clear, like, we think this is illegal. Um, the entire national security establishment had told the president, we don't support this hold. We think Ukraine should get the military aid. And even at that point, you could see in this email that directly from president Trump and only president Trump was this order. Nope. Keep the hold on the money. And, um, I think that that, you know, that was, you know, just that line, clear direction from POTUS to hold is, you know, is the story.
1: So, you know, uh, you got to see under the redactions. The redacted versions themselves were FOIAed. In, in an unobstructed impeachment inquiry, they would have been provided to Congress and included in part of the factual record that the House considered as it, uh, as it deliberated impeachment, right? So that it had been up to Trump. These would have been withheld from Congress and concealed forever, you know, not turned up in a, in a FOIA or anything. Is that your understanding? That
0: Well, absolutely. And there are a number of emails for which that remains the case. Um, There are these emails that the New York Times has sued the administration for between Robert Blair, who's Mick Mulvaney, who was the former director of uh, OMB and is now the White House chief of staff. And so his top aide at the White House is this guy, Robert Blair, and this guy, Mike Duffy, and Mike Duffy oversees national security programs at OMB. And so Blair and Duffy were, you know, right in the middle of the communications about the hold on the on the Ukraine aid. It went. It was communicated from Trump to Mulvaney to Blair to Duffy, and then out into the agencies to to. Um, McCusker at DOD, et cetera. And so there are these this set of emails between Blair and Duffy that the New York Times has sued for. And the Trump administration has said, not only are we not going to release them redacted, we're not going to release them at all. And like you said, these would be emails that if the executive branch were honoring Congress's constitutional right to do oversight of the executive branch, they would have provided these in an impeachment inquiry. And then That's just sort of one set of emails. There's also the entire question of what was going on at the State Department. You had all these witnesses during the investigation in the House that came forward um, from now their names are all going to leave me um, Bill Taylor and um, Robert Hale and uh, David Hale, excuse me, anyway, who said, You know, I collected all of my emails once this got started, as I was directed to by Congress, and and now they're sitting somewhere. The State State Department won't provide them to Congress because the White House is telling them not to. Um, the same. There are a bunch of Pentagon emails for which that's you know that's also the case. Um, and now with we, I know we'll talk about this in a little bit, but with the revelations that Parnas is alleging about what was going on with. Um, the removal of the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, Ivanovich, Marie Ivanovich, you know, there's a huge question around these emails. What would they reveal about what the State Department and Mike Pompeo, what did they know about um, any threats to her safety? And what were the circumstances under which she was removed from that country? Um, and so there is still a lot out there in terms of documentary evidence that the administration is blocking that would reveal, you know, shed so much light on this story.
1: So, you know, we have to, we have to, we can only make assumptions about what is being concealed. We know from your reporting, uh, some of, of what was in fact concealed from the impeachment inquiry, you know, the, the trial is, is now underway, and what you learned, what is in your story is not in the official impeachment record. Um, as far as you know, does that mean that that the impeachment managers are just that this information is not available to them as they try to persuade senators to convict Trump? Or, I mean, how, how important is it that they manage to keep this stuff under wraps until after the articles were passed?
0: Well, I do know, and it was kind of a you know an interesting moment for me just as an individual and a reporter, I believe my story was entered into the record this week that was transmitted with the Articles of Impeachment Um And I think that there's a, you know, I think that the Parnas text that we saw this week, I think there's a record that goes with the articles. And I don't know how that's used when they're making their case. Um, I think outside of like the technical aspects of it, from my story, you know, the New York Times reporting about some really important meetings that took place that summer between Trump and his national security advisors, um, you know, the new information that's coming out of Lev Parnas, um, the GAO report that you mentioned earlier you know this finding that yeah the military hold violated the law um, all of that in a political sense is you know giving an enormous amount of me- momentum and I think you know whether it'll break the dam on Senate Republicans holding Trump accountable I mean I think still people are pretty pessimistic but the pressure is just like been, Ratcheted up and ratcheted up. I think way more than had none of this come out in the interim. You know, from the time that the articles were voted on, and then if they had been transmitted right away, um, I think in the, the 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 space that was created by Pelosi holding them back, and the amount of shoes that have dropped in the meantime, have you know put the pressure on, and you know just made it feel more urgent. And I think for the Trump administration, must make them feel incredibly nervous because. I don't think they know, you know, when the next shoe will drop. I think they know what shoes could drop because they know exactly what happened, but they don't know when they'll drop. And like, for example, today, um, Robert Hyde, who's this um, Republican who's running for Congress in Connecticut, who was the one who was texting with Lev Parnas about possibly surveying um, Marie Ivanovich in Ukraine and, you know, whether or not they were like, Contemplating a hit on her, as it sounds like, but that they've both denied since. Um, his house was raided today by the FBI. So, like, who knows what's coming next? Is is how I see it. I, I'm really glad you
1: put it that way because I, you know, your, your scoop underscored. It. To me, exactly why the Trump administration obstructed Congress in the first place, and why Republicans, particularly in the Senate ha- have done have signaled that the, their desire many of them have to keep as much uh, new information uh, from coming to light as possible um, but it also I think illustrated a, a lesser discussed piece of the wisdom of Nancy Pelosi's decision to hang on to the articles for a few weeks um, like we. We've tended to discuss that tactic through the lens of whether it would force Mitch McConnell to like admit defeat in some way, um, or 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 whether Senate Republicans individually would come out and say, you know, I'm I, I'm gonna you know not vote for any motion that doesn't allow us to call witnesses. Um, and so you know now that the trial is getting underway and and you know no assurances of that sort have been made, uh, you you see a lot of uh, you know post game analysis of this decision. Uh, that you know Pelosi's gambit failed in some sense, but I think that that's totally wrong, right? Um, in in part because this um, this flood of information that's coming out is is so unsettling that it seems like it will make it very difficult for fifty one Republicans to vote to shut down new fact finding, um, but also because Pelosi kind of created this window, right? Like the that irrespective of what Republicans were going to do with their votes or how they were going to allow the trial to be structured, um, th- there, there was just this opening she created for people with information um, to, to come forward, right? Like, there's this strong indication that re- the re- Republicans in the Senate are leaning towards not allowing witnesses, not allowing new documents uh, to, to come to light. So in this Liminal period that Pelosi created, stuff has started to come out. Um, do you see? Do you see it that way, or did you see it that way when you were reporting out your story, that this was like an effect of of her having uh, created some sense of uncertainty about when the trial would be allowed to start?
0: I definitely didn't see it when I was reporting my story because I was sort of head down and you know oblivious. It was <laughs> the holidays. I didn't. It's know the holidays, what was going right? It was like, <laughs> Um, you know, I don't, I'm not, I can't get in her head. So I don't know how much, I mean, she certainly didn't know in, to some extent what was coming down the pike. I mean, in terms of my own reporting, I can say that's for sure. Um, the Parnas, I mean, Lev Parnas had certainly indicated before that, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, like, I'm going to talk to Congress and I'm going to turn stuff, he might have already turned some of his documents over. So, I mean, I think that. And everybody's aware that this documentary evidence is out there. Um, so, it, I mean, in retrospect, it, it seems like it was, you know, a, a wise move on her part. Um, I'm trying to think. There was something else you said, but I'm now... Um, oh, I was thinking about how you said, um, you know, about Mitch McConnell and the Republicans. Like, at this point, they basically have to, you know, new evidence has come forward, and it now when they... If they don't call witnesses and if they don't subpoena documents, you know, it'll look like, you know, they're not acting upon, you know, new, you know, new evidence that's come forward that you really need, you know, you should be required to investigate. And it reminded me, you know, on the one hand, you'd think, well, they now have to do that. Like, how could they their backs up against the wall? But it reminded me, as you were talking of the Kavanaugh hearings and, you know, new witnesses came forward and, it, you know, there was all this pressure to open up the FBI investigation and they, you know, did this sham process and called it a day. So it's certainly not beneath them to do so. Um, uh, to the question is just what's the political cost, I guess, of doing it.
1: Right, right. Um, the, I mean, the, the, the Parnas case, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it. I, I think it's like the most irrefutable testament to... The withholding the article strategy, right? Like, he and his lawyer produced these incredible documents to the impeachment investigators. And I think they arrive like literally within hours of the House vote to refer the articles of impeachment to the Senate. So, like, barely in time to be included in the factual record. And I wasn't aware that, that your article uh, had also gotten looped into the same factual record. So, it, you know, the, there, there is like a quantifiable amount of information that just was not known
0: mm-hmm. to the
1: impeachment investigators after they voted to impeach Trump that became known to them before the trial began. Um, And I think it's, that makes it like fairly irrefutable that the strategy strengthened the case itself, completely apart from the question of how Republicans will vote to structure the trial or whether they'll allow any of this new information to affect their, you know, strong inclination to acquit Trump. And Um, even with the
0: GAO finding today, I mean, I would put it in the same category. It, it, makes it really uncomfortable for the Republicans. You know, if violating the Impoundment Control Act was not part of the, you know, was not an article of impeachment. But you now have this independent body saying the Trump administration violated the law in connection to this story. And you see already today Republicans sort of saying, well, the GAO is not that independent, which is, you know, if that's your argument, like it's a losing argument. Um, and or you see them avoiding reporters. They don't want to comment on it. It's too it's too awkward. Um, and so the, in, I will say from the time that the, that the House voted on the articles to where we are right day right now, it is a different information environment and it's a different a different political environment, I think, for Senate Republicans that were already feeling a little bit uncomfortable with just like cleaning their hands and, and making this go away as fast as they could.
1: Yeah, I I think it was earlier today, Chuck Schumer tweeted something to to the effect or said something to the effect of like, you know, you know, God forbid Republicans, you know, try to conceal all this information, uh, render judgment uh, against Trump one way or another based on the incomplete record. And then after they've already cast their votes to, you know, cover up whatever, acquit Trump, um, the, the whole truth comes out and. Not only have they voted for the cover up, but the cover up fails retroactively and i'm I'm watching at least the Republican leadership grapple with this essential question like they they must be aware now like it's like I think that they probably thought once the House had voted to impeach Trump that they would have a lot more control over the information environment mm-hmm. um, than they did when the House was running the show, and the last two or three weeks have proven that they really don't, right? Like there are still, there's still FOIA, there's still leakers, there's still witnesses, there's court cases that are ongoing. And um, and these bombshells will continue to drop um, like in the middle of the trial, after the trial. And so they are actually weighing this basic question. It's not cover up or no cover up. It's, uh, should we let all this information come out at once in the trial and then rip off the bandaid and be done with it or let it all kind of dribble out slowly after we've already, uh, you know, communicated with our votes our intention to to not let the public see this stuff?
0: Yeah. Um, two things. I think they have to continue to obstruct because, on you know, I think. The information that's coming out is so damning. And I can only imagine the information that's being most closely protected, like the Blair Duffy emails or whatever the State Department emails show, are even worse. Like, that's why we haven't seen them. Um, And that's why, you know, the witnesses that haven't been allowed to testify Mulvaney, Blair, Duffy, um, John Bolton, you know, they have the worst stories to tell. Um, And so, I can't imagine they take a, all right, actually, you know, just so that we can control it, we'll let everything come forward because it's, you know, it's like president the president shooting someone on Fifth Avenue. Like, it's all going to be right there for our, us to see. I think the other thing that's a little tricky, maybe for Democrats, and it's not tricky, but on the one hand, there is plenty of evidence to explain what happened um, between Trump and Ukraine and You know, him soliciting foreign interference in the election on that phone call, the ties between asking for that investigation into Joe Biden and holding the military aid. The evidence is there. That said, is there more evidence out there? Absolutely. So I think there's like this tricky thing that Republicans are also playing on, where it's like, well, if you don't have the complete picture, how on earth are you impeaching him? You know, if there's all this stuff that still remains out there, then, you know, you didn't do due diligence. And so both things can be true. You can both have enough evidence to move forward. And there can also be plenty of evidence that's still being obstructed. And I think some of the allegations that Parnas has raised, just raise completely new questions. Like up until now, the physical safety and the circumstances of Marie Ivanovich's being removed from Ukraine weren't part of the story, really. And as the FBI raid today shows, that's a new avenue of investigation that cannot be, you know, just ignored or forgotten. Like we, I think the American public has a right to know um, whether she was being threatened and by whom and, you know, where did it stop? How high up did it go? So
1: a couple thoughts on that. One is that this talking point the Republicans really uh, have have taken to about how this information coming to light just underscores that the House didn't do a very thorough job in its impeachment um, totally elides the point that Trump has been impeached for obstructing the inquiry. Right. Like there's a reason the House's factual record isn't complete. And it's almost entirely because Donald Trump refused to cooperate with the inquiry and so now he's they're going to have to vote on that article of impeachment and and you know the logic of what they're saying is that basically they're going to they're going to neuter their own institution and it's uh power to compel executive branch disclosure of information um and I'm not sure you know for the trial will f- you allow the impeachment managers to confront Senate Republicans with that um Contradiction—that in, internal contradiction—and um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious to see like how how individual Republicans, Republicans as a whole, uh, grapple with it. Um, the second thing is that I, you know, the the environment is uncertain enough that the White House is preparing uh, for defections, or at least is claiming to be preparing for for defections on the question of witnesses and documents. And Trump himself, after kind of pretending for a while to want a fair trial. Uh, Now says that he might claim executive privilege if witnesses appear Um, and normally fights over that are resolved by by an accommodation between Congress and the executive branch or by courts. And I'm wondering how you think efforts to conceal information by citing privilege like this sort of last, you know, all the information is flooding in, but he still has this thing that he can use to control it. How will. Uh, efforts to conceal information by citing privilege play out in the context of an impeachment trial where it's never really happened before?
0: Well, I think where there's an opportunity to sort of take executive privilege to places it's never gone before, the Trump administration will do so. I mean, they've kind of exerted, like, complete immunity from congressional, invest, you know, oversight is their position. And, you know, and then in a criminal setting, they... Um, say, you know, a, a president can't even be criminally investigated while in office. So, you know, the, I, as far as I can tell, they'll always argue it as far as, you know, the, You know they'll stretch the law to its farthest point to protect him from um, people testifying and evidence being provided against him. Um, in the impeachment setting, um, I'll be really curious to see how it plays out. And uh, John Bolton, you know, signifying if you subpoena me, I'll come forward, is a, just a mystery. You know what will happen there um, if he does in fact testify. Will he then, you know, come forward but rely on executive privilege to sort of block revealing his most, re- you know, um, private discussions with the president that uh, relate to this story? Um, he he certainly can, and you know, I think we'll just have to see what happens there.
1: Um, Any closing thoughts for our listeners?
0: Um, Any closing (laughs) thoughts? I think today, I mean, there is so much going on right now between and, you know, from where I sit at Just Security, we're trying to balance, you know, analysis of um, the president's strike against Qasem Soleimani and all of the legal issues there and, you know, all of the information there, you know, and the decision making that went behind that that we don't know yet to impeachment, to the new revelations every day. There's just a lot to take in. And, you know, today the impeachment trial began. Um, And so I think it's just, I guess, as we're taping, like, just to stop and recognize the historical significance of what's happening in the Senate and, um, you know, paying attention to it. It's, you know, it can get, it almost, it's crazy that the impeachment of a president can get lost in the craziness of the news cycle and that but, you know, it's a really important moment in history. And I only wish that um, all of the senators, you know, tasked with the decision there take it seriously as well.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good note to close on. Be a good citizen and pay attention. Uh, Kate Brannan, uh thank you for joining us. Thank you. That's it for this week. Next week, Donald Trump's impeachment trial will have begun. And we'll hopefully have a clear sense of just how well or poorly Republican efforts to keep more incriminating information from coming to light have fared. And if they fared poorly, who knows what we'll have learned. This show is produced by Crooked Media. It's written and hosted by me, Brian Boytler. Stephen Hoffman is our producer and editor. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts.